Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. Today, we wanna to do a trade targets video for you. And by we, I mean me and Connor, who's gonna be joining us today, really excited about that. He uh, he kinda of actually picked out the players and really spearheaded the research, but really excited to talk about this because let's be honest, if you win the first couple weeks of the year, that's very exciting, but you drop in the waiver priority and it gets very difficult to find talent in the future. I would say that if you want to consistently be winning your leagues, you need to be very, very smart and aggressive about your trades. Um, but before we get any specific players, I believe we're going to do six buy highs or excuse me, buy lows and six sell highs. Um, but again, before we get into specific players, like let's just talk about the general concept of trading and, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's week three. So you're either one of a couple of things. You're either three and oh. And you're feeling you're feeling good, but as you've talked about before, you always want to be looking to upgrade, whether that's through the waiver wire, mm-hmm. whether that's through trades. Otherwise, you're you're struggling. You're you're two and one, one and two, or oh, I hope you're not zero and three, and you probably cashed it in by now. But there is potential to make trades up and down your lineups. And uh, one pet peeve of mine is when people say that that someone's untradeable, or that that. You know, they, they just won't look at a trade for someone. And that's not what you should be doing. Everyone's tradable. You should always field offers because if you can upgrade in value, then you should. And if you cut someone off, you're going to eliminate any possibility of making a trade like that. So first and foremost, just keep your options open. We're all about upgrading value here. So there might be some surprising names on this list that you wouldn't think would be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the tough thing. You get a player who's riding high, like, say, Jamar Chase, who scored in all three of his games this mm-hmm. year, you know, at some point, that's going to stop, but you want to keep him while he's doing it. So you have to figure yeah. out when you think that's going to end. It's a it's a really tough game of prediction. You're never going to get it 100% right. But if you can be at least a little bit smarter than the guy you're trading with, you can get a good deal. And that's what it's all about. So you're either riding high on production or you got someone who's got a ton of volume and should be putting up numbers, but they're not. And so you need to get people at the right time and you need to get rid of people at the right time. That's the name of the game in fantasy football, and that's what we're here to help you with. All right, so why don't we do it? Let's just get right into it with our first player. All right, so why don't we start off with our sell-high players, and we already mentioned him, so let's talk about it. Jamar Chase, you put him down, and I agree with you. I think Jamar Chase is a guy you should be selling high on. I want to clarify that I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's going to have a great NFL career, but as far as his fantasy production goes, you have to wonder, can he keep it up? No, I don't think he can. And Jamar Chase is someone who we've been up and down on, right? So uh, fantasy people everywhere were saying, draft him, draft him. Here's the number five pick in the draft. He's this, he's this awesome player, but he hasn't played since 2019. But he's being reconnected with Joe Burrow. So, of course, he's going to be able to get back into the flow of offense. Then the preseason happens, and he's dropping the ball. And it, all the reports from camp are saying that he doesn't look explosive. He's not creating separation. Mm-hmm. And then the first game comes around, right? Against our Minnesota Vikings. And he, he torches us for a long ball. And that's yeah. been his calling card. He's got three touchdowns of over 30 yards. And what's the most unsustainable stat in the game? It's long touchdowns. You can't count them, and that's what he's been relying on for his production. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, let's just put it out there. He might turn out to be this Hall of Famer, but his touchdown production right now, four touchdowns in three games, that is, he's on pace to finish the year with 22.6 touchdowns. Um, not happening. I don't care how much you love this guy. It's not happening. <laughs> 22.6 touchdowns, and that'd be only one more than he had in his uh, his junior year of college. So <laughs> if anyone can do it, it is Jamar Chase, but we don't want to bank on that at Fantasy, especially with the kind of target share that he's getting. So he's gotten an average of five targets through the first three games, which, yes, he can do something with that, but what's alarming is that the last game where T. Higgins was out unavailable mm-hmm. is that he still only had five targets. He got yeah. two touchdowns with those five targets, but it didn't change even when a key member, probably their most explosive member through the first couple games in mm-hmm. T. Higgins, was yeah. out. Yeah, and you look at week two, there's a bit of like a fluke in that. He only had two catches. One of them was a touchdown. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't been a volume receiver. And, and I just talked about that with Rob recently. Like I trust targets more than I trust touchdowns. Yeah. Because that's repeatable. And I know that that makes people uncomfortable because the points come from touchdowns. But if I'm predicting the future, you know, you can't go 100% based off what happened last week. No. And the the key to trades or the key to anyone having success in fantasy is target share volume and talent Mm -hmm. now he has the talent undeniably Mm -hmm. but right now he doesn't have the target share and he doesn't have the volume that we want for consistent fantasy production 
But the great thing in trade value is that he's got three things going for him. He's the number 11 ranked fantasy player, Mm -hmm. uh, wide receiver, I should say, in PPR. He also has the name value and the draft capital. So you can sell him for a wide receiver one price and maybe get someone like that back who's been underperforming for the past couple weeks. Absolutely. Maybe target a guy like Robert Woods, who I think we'll talk about later. I got one more thing to add to this and we can move on. Let's put it put it this way again. I want to compare him to Devontae Adams last year because Devontae Adams was the guy, 18 touchdowns. That was phenomenal. Who is his quarterback? Aaron Rodgers, who was playing at MVP level. What do you have? 48 touchdowns last year. As much as I like Joe Burrow, he's not playing at MVP level. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's not playing at MVP level. I would say that the Jamar Chase is the MVS, the Marquez Veldes scantling of, of the offense. Now, Joe Burrow's got people to spread it around to, and he's not going to get to 48 touchdowns, I can promise you that. But Jamar Chase isn't going to get to 18 touchdowns either. Devontae mm-hmm. Adams had a huge yeah. target share, one of the highest in the leagues. He was the number one fantasy producer for the reason. And his mm-hmm. touchdowns were actually somewhat sustainable, and you can mm-hmm. use the data to support that. But Jamar Chase's are not. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say one more thing. I know that my last thing was the one more thing, but I would maybe, like in a dynasty league, I don't think I'd trade him away. I think this is much more redraft. This is redraft, and we'll try and point out what's dynasty and what's not. Mm -hmm. This is definitely a redraft league. I'm not selling Jamar Chase for anything other than two firsts and a a very good peace player in a dynasty league, so keep him in that. All right. Well, love the breakdown. Let's get to our next guy. All right, so moving on to our second player, and we got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, maybe someone you should consider selling high. Um, why don't you give us the breakdown for that, why you think he's a guy we need to be kind of getting rid of at this moment? So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's underproduced his entire career so far, young NFL career. He's a good back, but underproduced for where he's been drafted. He was a RB1 last year in, in early fantasy drafts, and he was drafted like that again, even though his production didn't meet that. So... Selling high is an interesting way to put it, right? Because mm-hmm. he's underproduced through this first three weeks. But mm-hmm. the sad thing about CEH is I do think that this is his high. I think this is what we can expect. In fact, I think his week three is going to be the best week that he has all season. And that's yeah. when I want to get rid of him. Yeah, so we take a look at the stat breakdown last week, game three. 17 carries for 100 yards. That is a awesome 5.9 yards per carry. He also had two catches for nine yards in the touchdown. It was a pretty good week. Um, but and the thing we have to clarify is we talk about selling high. He is not playing high right now. Cut that game out. He has 3.3 yards per carry in the first two weeks. Back-to-back weeks with a fumble. One, that was a crucial fumble against the Ravens. And mm-hmm. really, I mean, that was the nail in the coffin, as they say. And He's actually 49th in PFF's rushing grade so far this year. So when we talk about buying or when we talk about selling high, it has to do with the fact that his stock hasn't dropped yet. I would be willing to bet there's a fair amount of people in your league who haven't noticed those stats if he's not on their team and would still make the trade for him. Yeah, well, at least field offers and see who someone might be a CEH truther in the Mm -hmm. league. Someone might have been wanting him and targeting him in the draft because of everything that they're hearing from most fantasy sports networks. Mm -hmm. But Here's the situation, and this is what was talked about all week, is that Andy Reid, he's the kind of coach that when his players mess up, he doesn't go bench them. He feeds them. He wants to get their confidence back, and that's what he did. He gave them 17 carries. He gave them three targets at least in the passing game. That's how he got his touchdown. And CEH responded in a good way, but here's what happened. The Chiefs lost. The Chiefs are now 1-2 and because they tried to go away from their bread and butter. Mahomes should be passing. Pretty much every play. They don't need a run game to be successful. That's how they got to two back-to-back Super Bowls. And now they go away from that and they lose a game. He's not going to see 19 touches again this year. I would I would almost guarantee it. And, and you know, maybe in a, in a good matchup he will. But, it, right, if he, he has a 19-touch game one or even two more times, like, mm-hmm. that's not enough. And so, again, field some offers, take some chances. I have a feeling there's still enough people out there that you could get some value for him. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of continued on this pace for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. Again, for me, it's a volume thing. Unless he starts to play better, the volume is just not going to be there like it was in week three. And if he's your flex in a redraft league, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that. I'm fine with him as your flex. But how many people have that luxury to have Clyde Edwards-Alaire as their flex? Well, it depends on the league that you're playing in. So if he's your RB2, I'm, I'm, I'm fielding offers. And again, going back to Dynasty League, I'm going to hold out on him a little bit longer, especially since you probably picked him first overall, if not Jonathan Taylor. So uh, I'm going to hold him for a little longer, see if his value goes up even more. But in a redraft, I want out. Yeah, exactly. And 
let's be honest, I think he's a little better than his stats indicate. I don't think he's an elite running back, yeah. but his offensive line is kind of garbage. They, I mean, they're good in the passing game, but they just cannot yeah. move a defensive line down the field. They're still coming together. I know mm-hmm. it's five new guys, so it takes yeah. a little while. But, yeah, it's going to be a struggle there without, uh, <laughs> unless they're passing the ball like we yeah. talked about. All right, let's move on to our next player. All right, next up, we think that Kareem Hunt is another player you should consider selling high. Why don't you give us the breakdown? Yeah, I think a lot of people have been saying this for quite some time is sell high on Kareem Hunt. Last year, he was a top 10 running back, finished on the fringe there as an RB1. And this year, starting out, he's the number seven running Mm -hmm. back. But again, we talk about unsustainable volume and unsustainable touchdown production. And that's what's going to happen with Kareem Hunt is that he's going to fall off. Nick Chubb's the guy there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's put it this way. Last week, he finished second among running backs in fantasy scoring. People are high on him coming off the big week. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. What did he do the week before that? He finished 42nd in running back fantasy scoring. The fact of the matter is, last week was a little more accurate to what we're going to see in the majority of weeks. So when we take a look at it, for me, the thing that's most concerning is Nick Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the league. It's just when the starting RB1 has got 48 carries in three games and he's averaging five and a half yards per carry, like you're just there's only so many touches you're going to get. Yeah, and you actually referenced back to last week as, as his bad game, but I would look at a familiar stat line being week one. I mm-hmm. think that's what we're going to get out of Kareem Hunt week in and week out. And that was six carries for 33 yards and three catches for 28 yards. Now, he fell into the end zone that week, and that's the big difference. But you look at that, nine touches for a combined, you know, what, 50, 60 yards? I mm-hmm. think that's what we're going to get week in, week out with yeah. Kareem Hunt. And then you hope that he falls into the end zone, and that's going to be the basis of his fantasy value. Absolutely, and you, re- you really put it there. He's too good not to see touches, mm-hmm. but Nick Chubb is too good for him to see a lot. And you're essentially asking every week, will he score? Because if he's not going to score you a touchdown, I don't think you can put him in your lineup. Yep, and the last two weeks they played uh, the Bears, who they absolutely crushed, and they played Houston, which was a semi-competitive game, but they were in the driver's seat. When you actually look back to week one against Kansas City, they were leading most of that one. They they kept it on the ground, and about 20% of the touches went to Nick Chubb, and mm-hmm. or excuse me, 60% of the touches went to Nick Chubb, and 40% went to Kareem Hunt. Now, the last two weeks, it's been more 50-50, if not favoring Hunt, and that is not going to happen as they continue. Mm-hmm. If anything, they're trying to rest Chubb in these games where they have a little bit of extra extra uh, score padding, and then as they go forward, they're, they're going to ride the back of Nick Chubb. Well, yeah, let's put it this way. Both of their wide receivers, Odell and Jarvis Landry, have been injured. That has mm-hmm. forced them to be heavy on the ground. So let's look at it right now. They have... 174.7 rushing yards per game as a team. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. They were top three last year, and they averaged less than 150 rushing yards a game, and that was phenomenal. This yep. is a stat where they're going to get their wide receivers back, and the running backs will see a slight dip in volume. Not a big dip because they do have a phenomenal backfield, but that is yet another factor to consider. When we start getting come playoff time, and we've seen four, five, six, seven, eight weeks in a row of heavy run Browns, teams mm-hmm. are going to adjust. They're going to need to throw the ball. Yeah, and Kevin Stefanski, that's his MO. I mm-hmm. mean, he's been a run-first offensive coordinator since his time with the Vikings, and uh, that's what he's found success with. So I know that they will be in the top 5 to 10 of the league in running back production, but it's not going to be enough for Kareem Hunt. And if you can sell him as the number 7 overall back in fantasy and somehow make a push that, hey, here's this RB1, mm-hmm. what can I take from him, you? Well, it, it, you might find that it's going to be a nice, uh, a nice value back. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that situation, one bad week and people will be very skittish on him. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're going to do it, yep. now's the time. Like, don't wait. Exactly. How about a wide receiver? Let's talk about Marquez Brown. Yeah, Hollywood Brown. And uh, it's been the same story, I think, for the last couple of seasons is that he starts off really hot. He's usually a, a top 10 to 20 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And then he falls off. You look at his production and uh, it, it through. Three weeks, it's been 15 catches, 235 yards, and two touchdowns. Well, in 2020, he had 12 catches for 156 yards. And the year before that, his rookie year, he had 260 yards and two touchdowns. And guess where he ended up both those years? He was number 36 overall last year in PPR, and he was number 46 the year before that. Yeah. 
So the fact of the matter is that offense runs the ball so much. We just talked about the Browns. The Ravens are even more. They average like 190 yards rushing a game. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. Of course, they've got an RB1 as their quarterback. Yeah. And then so that's a whole other thing. But when you look at it, there's not enough passing game volume there that he's very touchdown dependent. And that's exactly right. If you look back 12 weeks, um, counting the first two weeks of this season, he scored eight touchdowns. And he had a good stretch there. If you look back at his production of of a couple straight weeks of finishing with over 11 PPR fantasy points, Mm -hmm. which is fine in your flex. But almost every week he scored a touchdown there. And for a 5'9", 180-pound wide receiver, he's not a red zone target. It's really going to be boomer bust those scramble plays that Lamar makes happen so often, but not often enough that he's going to be a viable asset. Yeah, you know, for me, it really comes down to what allowed him to do what he's done these first three weeks. It's the Mm -hmm. matchups for me. Take a look at it. Raiders, Chiefs, and Lions. And first of all, those are three not amazing defenses. You're supposed to score against them. You're supposed to put up points. I mean, that's the Raiders and the Mm -hmm. Chiefs. Those are shootout teams. And so are the Lions. Their defense stinks. Here's what really gets me. You go up against the Lions defense and only score 19 points. 13 of which are from your kicker, Justin Tucker, who needed an NFL record field goal to win the game. Like, that offense is not prolific. They really showed some signs of struggle last week versus the Lions, and, you know, that's a concern for me. Yeah, and this is someone who I don't even really care about the matchup Mm because I'm not looking at it and saying, oh, man, he's playing a bad defense. I'm going to plug in Hollywood Brown Mm -hmm. because – he could do anything. He could have, you know, four targets, three catches for 60 yards. And then the next week against the best defense, whoever you want to say that is, he could have 100 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he's one of those boomer bust type players. But right yeah. now he's got high value because he's mm-hmm. number 14 on the scoreboard. People might not be watching the games. They're just going to see his production. Yeah, totally. And and you mentioned it. I think you you tend to shy away from players who are real high and low, who are kind of risky from week to week. I don't I don't personally mind that too much. But there is a big fear in that of like if you make the wrong starts and sits, then yep. then you just then you're kicking your butt and wasting points. Yeah, and and I'm for it, but it's when it comes to that flex position, right? So we yeah. look at that flex, and that's kind of your your dart throw. So mm-hmm. you either got someone who consistently does the same thing every week that you can put there, which is great because you know what you're going to get. But most people want to either put that guy who's either going to have three points or he's going to have twenty points and win you your game. That's what the flex is for. I think we're going to talk about another guy in a little bit that fills that role as well. You know what? I think we broke it down pretty well. Why don't we move on to that guy? And, you know, that guy we got to talk about is Tyler Lockett. Oh, my goodness. He has been insane so far this year. Let's put it this way. He's averaging over 100 yards and a touchdown per game Um, in a 17-game season. That's 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. I don't really think that's going to be how he's going to finish. But, yeah, this has been so much fun to watch. Yep, and he was the number seven overall wide receiver last year. Mm -hmm. And he's number three through this year. I mean, Tyler Lockett has had sustained production. So you ask me, why is he in this list? Mm -hmm. Because when you have a wide receiver one or two, you want to know what you're getting every single week. And Tyler Lockett couldn't be further from that. Because he's either going to get you 40 points and literally win you your league, or else you're going to have a dud, like against the Vikings, where I was at that game. Mm -hmm. And watching it, I just couldn't believe that. How do you go to this guy 13 times a game through the first two weeks? Mm -hmm. And he he shows you production. And trust me, I was watching that secondary. They weren't taking away Tyler Lockett. Russell just didn't look his way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so when we break that down, too, like... 19 yards per catch, six and a half average yards after the catch. I mean, he has been insanely efficient. Now, that is what Tyler Lockett does. But, and we talked about this, we're still in the early days of the season. We have a lot of games left. These NFL teams make a lot of money to be like too stupid to pay attention to that and try to cover him more. They'll put Mm -hmm. a safety over top, they'll warn their cornerbacks, they're going to watch film, they're going to make adjustments. Wide receivers, they just don't average over 100 yards a game unless they end up having, I mean, few guys have. Maybe he's one of those guys. But with other weapons there, like their ability to run it with Chris Carson or to go to DK Metcalf, who's also a phenomenal wide receiver, they don't need him to be. And and so for that, me, you have to wonder, okay, defenses adjust, a little more coverage. You're Russell Wilson. You're not forcing it into that because you've got Metcalf. Yeah, Tyler Lockett is the best diversion in the league. He's the best field stretcher, I think, in the league right now. I would give a lot of compliments to Tyler Lockett. 
But when you look at last year, when he was top 10 fantasy wide receiver, he's still not a guy that I would have wanted on my team. He had six games last year over 13.2 points in, in full PPR leagues. And these are the numbers for him. 13.2, 16.2, 24.5, 47.5, that huge game against Cardinals, 17.2, and 27. The rest of those games, he had under 10 points Mm -hmm. for PPR. So that's a lot of games. That's 10 games of production where you had him in your flex or your wide receiver two where he planted a dud. And that might have lost you more fantasy games than the ones that he blew up won you. And that's something that you got to weigh if you can upgrade to mm-hmm. a viable wide receiver one because of his stock right now, which is just yeah. really high. Yeah, and, and do it. And this is something especially, this is going to be like, you're going to have to be honest with yourself. How good are you at fantasy? If you are fairly new at fantasy and doing pretty well, you probably want to avoid Lockett. Like the, you, I see a lot of people who, and mm-hmm. one of my friends complained about this a few years ago and I made fun of him. He's like, I drafted a great team, but I didn't make the playoffs because I made the wrong start sits every week. Like, if you're mm. new to fantasy, you don't want to be worrying about that because you yeah. probably will make the wrong choice, which is unfortunate. But yeah, like, I don't want to go into the week like putting up, you know, 40 points on my bench because I didn't know what Lockett was going to do. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously not about matchups because Minnesota Vikings are what you would imagine is a number one matchup for most wide receiver duos. I mean, every <laughs> wide receiver versus the Vikings looks like Jerry play Rice. Them, right? Yeah. yeah play, play, play your wide receivers against the Vikings secondary. We've been saying that since last year. But you look at Tyler Lockett, and this is another question of who do you want in your flex? Well, if there's number one guy that I want in my flex, it's Tyler Lockett. But most people are rolling them out there as their wide receiver too. And that's not something that I'm comfortable with. I'd rather have sure production in that slot and then roll the dice with Lockett as the best flex player in the league. All right, why don't we move on to one more sell-high player, and then after that we can get around to our buy lows. All right, so you got one more sell-high player, and that's Kyle Pitts. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was scratching my head when you sent me this player, so you're going to have to give me the breakdown, real real solid information. Yeah, and... I don't blame you for scratching your head. Kyle Pitts is going to be a great NFL player, just like Jamar Chase we talked about earlier. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer in his position. I mean, no one's had the kind of draft capital he has. No one's had that kind of athleticism. He's built to produce, but I just am not as high on him as so many other people are. So many people are drafting him as this top five tight end this year. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. I have him in the same category as a lot of those waiver wire guys that, that will be looking at or that you already talked about for tight end position. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm looking at. It's so difficult. He's currently 13th amongst tight ends in fantasy scoring. And when you talk about whether you're going to buy or sell on him, you're basically asking, is he going to do better or worse than what he is at now, mm-hmm. 13th? For me, it's better. I don't know yeah. if I'm selling on him. But, um, but there is some you know kind of projection there that I'm putting that he's going to continue to improve as he works into the league and they're going to continue to give him some volume yeah um that could be wrong but when you look at it 12.6 yards per catch four yards after contact again I'm especially in a dynasty like he is not leaving my roster in a dynasty for any reason he's one of those guys that's like almost untradeable they're all tradable but not very likely sort of thing yeah, I have him on my dynasty team. I'm super happy to have him, um, and I'm not trading him anytime soon. But for redraft purposes, this is what the Giants kind of showed us this, this weekend. And the Giants are an above-average defense. But they showed us that you can key in on Kyle Pitts, take him away, and still hold the Falcons' offense. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just not that many people that are going to be seeing any targets. So they took him away. He got three targets. And I think that other teams are going to see this and say – why wouldn't we double Kyle Pitts or send more attention his way when they're throwing to Olamide Zacchaeus? I don't even know how to say his name. I mean, there's just there's too much talent on most defensive fronts mm-hmm. to outweigh the talent that's on Atlanta right now. It's Kelvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. There's just not there's just not enough going on there. The offense is struggling. Teams, teams are keying in on him. Um, but again, I just I don't necessarily know if he's going to suddenly get worse than 13th. For me, it feels yep. like if anything, he might stay where he's at. Um, that being said, you can get an arm and a leg for this guy. I have seen yeah. some of the offers that people are making. It People are definitely willing to give up. I've seen people giving up their second round running backs. Yeah. And Kyle Pitts has been like in three trades in one of my fantasy drafts already. People are, are going for him. And I think people are realizing that really quickly, he's just not all that what he's 
cracked up to be at least for this year. Here's a here's a list of some tight ends who are within one target of Kyle Pitts or have more targets than him okay. this season. Noah Fant, okay, Mike Gesicki, Tyler Conklin, mm-hmm. Jared Cook, Johnu Smith. So all of those guys have had the same target share. Now they're not all above him at 13th, but that target share that people are saying, oh, this is good. Like this is this is enough to go off of. Mm-hmm. Other tight ends are getting that, and you can get them for nothing. They're all on the waiver wire. So you can go take a shot in the dark and try and get five points is what he's been giving you in most fantasy leagues. Mm-hmm. And you can trade Kyle Pitts and upgrade somewhere else, whether that's going and getting a Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what, I'd rather have Rob Gronkowski on my team right now than Kyle Pitts. I mean, there's a surefire Hall of Famer. We don't need to guess with him. But, again, that's uh, that's a... There's not too many tight ends, right? There's maybe five that you'd want right now. And the number five one in the leagues right now, it's our, your sure things. It's a TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. You know who's number five right now? Who? Dawson Knox <laughs> of the really Buffalo sad. Bills. That's super sad. And it gets way worse after that. So if you can play a Dawson Knox. <laughs> well, even Kittle's in the top five, but he hasn't scored a touchdown all year. No, And George so you Kittle's might love been a him, huge but it's disappointment. Been, it's been an off year for him, which yeah. I don't think that's him. His quarterback situation is less than ideal. Less than ideal, and if you watch the Packers game, I mean, he's in the block almost 50% of the plays. He's one of their best blockers, so he makes their team better, but the fantasy production hasn't been there. Yeah, for sure. So there's six sell highs. Uh, let's get into our buy lows, and then hopefully you can maybe flip a sell high for a buy low and get an extreme value out of it. Yeah. All right, so now that we're into our buy low, let's start off with Jonathan Taylor. He just hasn't really lived up to it at this point in the year, but clearly you feel like there's going to be some bounce back there. There's a lot of people with a salty taste in their mouth. Uh, People drafted Jonathan Taylor in the middle of the first round, and he hasn't even come close to matching that production. I mean, uh, what is he through three games this year? Uh, He's maybe had 20 total fantasy points. Yeah. And the last game... He came off 10 touches for 64 yards. Naeem Hines had more touches than him. Mm-hmm. Now, that can really be put to the game script, right? Mm-hmm. When they're, they're getting behind, their team is struggling, and so they're putting Hines out there because Hines is one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. But Jonathan Taylor had seven targets, six catches, and 70 yards week one. Like, I don't know why they're not using both of them because he is more than good enough. And we look back at last. So we look back at last season again. The expectation was so high that he has been a disappointment. He finished sixth among running backs in fantasy, but through the final five weeks, he was actually the number one running back in fantasy. He comes out this year and he struggles. But I'm going to dare tell you that I think I know exactly what the reason is. I do. The offensive line. You you might want to look towards the wide receivers being yeah. bad and the quarterback being bad and a lot of different things. But the fact of the matter is last year, the offensive line had the third best run blocking rating by pro football focus. So far this year, it's 23rd in the league. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And I think the big difference between last year is that people were drafting him in the fourth and fifth round. Mm-hmm. So when he blows up, you're like, oh, this is great. Like yeah. I knew this was coming. He's super, he makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But now when you're drafting him in the first round and he's not, He's not doing what you expected him to be doing. People are way quicker to cut leash on him. And honestly, this coaching staff is going to be on the hot seat. And they have not done a good job. And I think that the Colts coaching staff and organization has done a great job. They've been competitive the last few years with not a whole lot, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But now 0-3. And if you go back and watch these games on film, I do a lot of film on these guys the coaches are throwing, and it's not negative game script. They're in these games, mm-hmm. like this last game. There was no reason he should have had 10 carries. Yeah, I mean, they were in the game till the very end, and they, they ran them 10 times for 64 yards, and they, they lost because of it. Well, how about this? You, you only give them the ball 10 carries in a game that's actually pretty close. Yep. You lack talented wide receiver, and your quarterback has been banged up. Why are you not giving it to your running back who has 6.4 yards per carry? Mm-hmm. Are you like, are you stupid? <laughs> and it wasn't just like a bunch of short gains and one long gain. He was yeah. getting, it was crazy. I was watching it and it was every carry was, was six yards, six yards at a time. It, he was getting that every single carry. Mm-hmm. And yet they throw it with Carson Wentz 37 times. And they're throwing to who? Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman, who's a talented wide receiver, but he's more of a, a he's more of an ex wide receiver. He's not really. They they are sorely needing um, mm-hmm. 
what's his name back, who is so old I already forget him. Oh, my goodness. Can't yeah. Even, can't even remember at this point. I'm out of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's terrible. But that's how little they have out there at yeah. the pass-catching position. Talking about T.Y. Uh, Hilton. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. My goodness. He's, yeah, who's past his heyday. So he's not even going to add too much as they come fantasy back. fantasy irrelevant for a few years Exactly. Now, and he's probably the best receiver they have. But let's let's be honest. Every team does this. Seattle did it last year, and that's why they struggled the second half of the year is because they threw the ball too much. And you know what happens? They're going to adjust. They're going to go back to what works, and they're going to run the ball with their 6.4 yard per carry Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, They just got away from things there for a little bit. And you're going to be able to get him at a discount for that reason. Part of it is the production. The other part is that Quentin Nelson did go down with an injury. You're right about the offensive line. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of question marks there. But the volume and the talent is going to overcome any of those question marks. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a three-game stretch last year where he averaged eight carries and 20 yards a game. Three games in a row, right? Mm -hmm. And this was at the middle of when he was breaking out. Yeah. So he's had these stretches before, but then he went on, like you said, to be the number one fantasy running back for the last five weeks of the year, and I think he could do it again. Absolutely. All right, so now we go to the wide receiver, Cordero Patterson. For you, you're calling him a buy low. Again, one of the few guys, because I agree with a lot of your picks, and you even made some picks last week that I really liked. But I was scratching my head on this one. This was the other one that I wasn't so sure about. So so give me the breakdown and and convince me. Yeah, well, you say wide receiver. I say running back. I'm not sure what he's listed in a lot of leagues. I know in some he actually has qualification for both, wide Mm -hmm. receiver and running back, which is already a nice little added bonus. But Cordero Patterson, it's about the steadiness of the volume he's been getting. And I think that he's proven that he can take it. So I think they're going to give him a little more. Mike Mm -hmm. Davis has only been serviceable. Some people were drafting him as their RB2 and flex player, but it might be Cordero Patterson this year. Yeah, it definitely might be. thing with me is a guy like this always makes me nervous as a, as mm-hmm. a journeyman in the NFL. Like, why hasn't this success happened before? You, you, know, you have to wonder, was there a reason for that? Is this repeatable? But, yeah, he's really kicking some butt right now. He's actually ninth amongst running backs and scoring and 17th amongst wide receivers. And no surprise there when he is averaging 3.9 yards per route ran. He's been incredibly effective. Yeah. Um, Maybe the word buy low isn't the right term. And and do you want to tell me about, like, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Buy low means you think they're going to do better in the future. And you kind of mentioned that maybe you think he might just continue what he's doing. Yeah, I think that this pace is extremely sustainable. So I don't think that he's going to finish as a top 10 RB or a top 20 wide receiver. Mm -hmm. But if you can plug in... 13 points to your lineup any week most people are going to take that he's gotten seven carries every game that's not going away anytime soon and the last two games he's gotten exactly seven targets so he's having an opportunity for 14 touches a game in an offense that is seeking playmakers I mean there's we talked about earlier there's just not much there so Cordero Patterson is someone and you want to talk about you know trying to find a niche later in your career well we think back to Ty Montgomery Right, yeah. That's a wide receiver turn running back, and mm-hmm. that's a really unique case. But Cordero Patterson just might be one of these people who is coming into a position that we haven't seen in a while. It's a hybrid, and he's making it his own. Yeah, so the thing for me that I struggle with is is the seven carries. Like, I feel like that's got to go away. In two games, he averaged 2.2 yards per carry. Yeah. The fact of the matter is he he's, hasn't been effective on the ground. He's mm-hmm. a great wide receiver, and now that they've been throwing it to him, it's been working. Yeah, but but again, I don't trust him getting it down on the ground. And the catches he's been getting have been sort of from that running back set where he's running yeah. those those sort of routes. Um, and it's been working, no doubt about it. But again, you have to wonder an NFL journeyman this long in the league, where's that production going to go up or down, or if anywhere the same? I don't necessarily know if I'd be trading for him at this point. Yeah, well, you talk about those carries. Mike Davis hasn't been much more effective with his carries. It's just not a good offensive running production. And so I see him keeping those seven carries, and I see games where he does something with the yardage, breaks a long touchdown. And with the passing, if you can have a running back, especially if he's in your leagues where he is rostered as a running back, Mm -hmm. that can have seven targets, that's huge production from that that position. That's why he is the number eight rated running back and not Mm -hmm. as high as a wide receiver. So... I'll take Cordero Patterson on dimes to the dollar. You can trade probably anyone. Most people just picked him up off their waivers. Mm -hmm. You can probably get away with giving an, I I don't even know who it was. I'd trade Kenyon Drake for Cordero Patterson right now. I know that's just one person to throw out there, but I'm I'm emboldened on him. I think he's going to do a nice job the rest of the year. All right. Well, I guess I guess we'll see what happens in the future. I was big on or I was low on him in this last start sit video, and and I happen to be wrong about that. But 
I'm wondering how long that will continue. Yeah, you're a big man to admit when you're wrong. But uh, I'm not wrong yet. I'll let you know if I am. But I'd go out and get Cordero Patterson for a really, really cheap price and just see if he produces on your bench. Well, I think we have to address this guy, Josh Jacobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Josh Jacobs is someone everyone said, don't draft, don't draft. They went and got Kenyon Drake, right? And he's 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 coming off an injury. He's not going to be this, this RB2, borderline RB1 that we've seen the first two seasons. And I was all aboard it. But now his value has plummeted so much that you might be able to trade for a serviceable player and not give a lot for him. Yeah. So when we look at it, for me, the Josh Jacobs thing, one, it's a question of health, mm-hmm. right? When he's healthy, he's insanely productive. Yeah. And this guy, especially in the end zone, he is a standard league stud above the rest. He is phenomenal at finding the end zone, especially when you compare it to like per touch. Yeah. Um, but for me, again, it comes down to the health. And I think the reason we can call him a buy low is that people are hitting the panic button on the yes. health. They are jumping ship and it's hilarious. It's just <laughs> like I know somebody who traded away Derrick Henry after week one. Like, <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough not to do as a fantasy owner. I've been in that same boat. You know, someone has a bad week. That's supposed to be your guy. But Josh Jacobs, here's a unique case is that he comes in and they wanted to play him and he wasn't healthy. But instead of forcing him out there, they're giving him time to get healthy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't I was not impressed with his week one, I wanted to sell him because those two touchdowns, they, they were ugly. It was an ugly game. Yeah. But now, now they're letting him get healthy. Kenyon Drake, we've had our answer with what's Kenyon Drake's role going to be? He had 15 carries when Josh Jacobs was out through two weeks and 31 yards. He's, yeah. a, he's a passing down back mm-hmm. who they're paying way too much for. So Kenya Drake is not a threat. I see the stat line Peyton Barber just had in his last game. Mm-hmm. 23 attempts, 111 yards, yeah. and a touchdown. I think that's going to be Josh Jacobs when he comes back. I think he's going to regain mm-hmm. that role. Peyton Barber is not going to be a problem. I mean, this is a journeyman back. They picked off, off waivers just to plug mm-hmm. in for a game he was out. Yeah, and so one of the things that really stands out to me, again, we just covered once he's healthy, but but it's the offense. So they are number one in the league right now mm. with 471 yards of offense per game. Yep. That is phenomenal. He doesn't need to be the most efficient, dominant, insane running back out there. He could do what LeGarrette Blunt did a few years ago, where LeGarrette Blunt averaged 3.8 yards per carry and had 18 touchdowns. Yeah, it's possible. And uh, I think that you can trade next to nothing. Most people drafted him as an RB2. I think that you can trade him for less than that. And these aren't slouches that the Raiders have been playing. Derek Carr's Mm -hmm. at the top of his game. I mean, they've played the Baltimore Ravens defense, who's had a tough schedule to start. Mm -hmm. They've played Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the top defense in the league, and Miami Dolphins, who Brian Flores is a great defensive mind. So they're an extremely talented offense. I think once Josh Jacobs is healthy, that he's going to get closer to his average yards per carry above Mm -hmm. four. And he's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. So before we finish this out, I only got one more thing to say, and that's I want to address the health, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't Mm -hmm. mention that um, and at least say something about some sort of update, people are probably going to get irritated. So I'll just put it out there. What Mm -hmm. we know right now is not a lot. But he had already begun returning to practice last Thursday, running plays. He had the non-contact practice jersey on. So he he was getting out there. But they were smart. They didn't make him take hits while he was hurt, and they didn't play him in this game. And they, you know what? I think they're fine. Again, it might be a week or two, it pro- or it might be two or three or whatever weeks. It's probably not going to be this next week that he's 100% back at it. But when he does get back at it, he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and it's tough because if you're in a position where you need to win now, if you've started one and two or even worse, it's mm-hmm. tough to trade for a guy who's coming off an injury. But if you have the luxury, I mean, he's – there's no reason not to take a gamble on him if you can trade someone less valuable and plug Josh Jacobs into a, a either an RB2 or a flex in your lineup. And then finally, definitely do this in a dynasty or a keeper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like next year, he's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what Kenyon Drake's role is, and that was what everyone was scared of is they signed a multi-million dollar deal uh, for multiple years with this guy. But Kenyon mm-hmm. Drake, is he was a thing for six games. Matthew Barry said it best if you listen to, to him at all. He was a thing for six games. He blew up, and everyone has taken that and ran with it, and uh, yeah. he's just not that guy. This next one's probably obvious, but uh, Stefan Diggs, now is the time to buy low. Yeah, and it's obvious because I think most fantasy managers realize that his production is going to come. It's all about target volumes and talent, right? We talked about that earlier. Well, he's had 13 targets, 8 targets, and 10 targets. But 
He's been within 60 yards every single one of his games, and he has one touchdown. Mm -hmm. And for people who are drafting him as possibly the first wide receiver off the board, mm -hmm. they might be panicking. Or their team oh, yeah. might be in a place where they have to start looking for other options. Yeah. So yeah. for me, the really thing that we begin looking at it, what happened those first couple of games is, for one, they came out of the gate week one, and they clearly had a few adjustments to make. Their offense mm -hmm. just wasn't what it really is now. And that's okay. It's going to get better. What I think most is promising was this last game, game three, Cole Beasley went off for like nine catches, almost 100 yards, and then Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns. Yeah. Those guys finally started producing enough the defenses are going to pay attention to them, and that's going to open up some room for Stefan Diggs to bounce back to the Diggs that we know he can and will be. Yeah, and it's always been a high-octane offense since Josh Allen came into his own, but there were games like this last year for Stefan Diggs. The difference was they were mixed in between huge games. So now mm -hmm. you're in a unique opportunity where it's been three, not even duds, just not what we would want for our number one receiver. Mm -hmm. And two of those games, he only played 75% of the snaps because they were winning by 30. I was to say, how do you complain about your wide receiver having a bad day when you beat the the Dolphins 35 nothing? They're mm -hmm. putting their backup running back in who scored two TDs, yeah. and the team they're beating didn't even have their starter. Yeah, Like, obviously, he's not going to have a big fantasy game there. You can't be irritated or upset about that. You have to expect it. And don't be irritated or upset at us when you go and try and trade for Stephon Diggs and the manager won't budge because that might yeah. be the case in a lot of leagues. Yeah. But it's worth sending an offer, especially for those teams that are maybe struggling because he's that good. And there's not much that I, I wouldn't give to acquire Stephon Diggs right now. Yeah, you might as well put the trade offer out there. It's, you know, what, what can it hurt? They might accidentally click accept. They might accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But uh, why don't we move on to our next guy? All right, so now we got to talk about Robert Woods. This is a guy who just, you know, really hasn't lived up to last year's stats. Well, he never lives up to last year's stats. This is a common theme with Robert Woods, and everyone every year does the same thing. They trade him when he mm -hmm. hasn't performed through the first two to three weeks, and then he ends up being a top 15 wide receiver. Yeah. So here's the thing. We take a look at it through the first three weeks. He finished 45th, 44th, and 59th in weekly wide receiver scoring. Oof, not so great. Mm. But I don't think that's going to continue from the guy who finished as a wide receiver one last year. He was number 12. And, and he had the same issue. He is a very streaky wide receiver. And you kind of just hit on that yeah. a little bit. He had a four-week stretch in which three of those games were outside of the top 50. Yeah. He is so prone to stuff like that. Well, we don't even need to... See, the nice thing about Robert Woods is the sample size that we have. Mm -hmm. We don't even need to just look at last year. Last three years, here's his finishes as wide receivers in PPR leagues. Okay. 11, 14th, and 13th. That's three, that's three years of top 15 production. Now, here were his starts. In 2018, through two starts, he had nine catches for 128 yards and no touchdowns. Through 2019, he had 10 catches for 103 yards, no touchdowns. And then last year, he had eight catches for 119 yards and no touchdowns. Well, through two weeks in this year, not counting yesterday's game, he had eight receptions for 90 yards, and he had a touchdown. So, really, it's his best start yeah. in the last four years. So, Robert Woods, he's done this, but when you have such a stat line to back it up, when you have mm -hmm. so many years of productions, it's hard to bet against the guy. It really is, and he's got, I would say, the best quarterback that he's had in a while because he hit Jared Goff there yeah. while not great. For me, the most exciting thing is the production of Cooper Cup because mm -hmm. teams are going to be keying on, on Cooper Cup. Through three games, he's averaging eight catches, 122 yards, and also he's got five touchdowns in those three games. Cooper Cup has been the, I mean, literally the number one fantasy receiver so far. Yeah. And we've mentioned this with a few other players. Teams will adjust. They're going to focus. And Matthew Stafford, who's a, you know, very mature veteran quarterback, he's going to find his open guy in Robert Woods. I have no concern about that. And Christian, you said it before I could, but the same way that I look back at Robert Woods' stats is the same way you can look at Cooper Cup's stats. Mm -hmm. Every year, people seem to forget that Cooper Cup is as good as he is. Yeah, He's a great wide receiver, and they match him up one-on-one, -on -one, and he torches people for the first three weeks. He always gets off to a hot start. And then you get into the problem of, well, Cooper Cup slows down, and then he's not giving you the production that he was at the beginning. Yeah. It, it happens all the time because defenses key in more. They have to because he blows up. And then Robert Woods has more room to operate, and the Rams will start feeding him. And I don't think that Cooper Cup's going to slow down. I think yeah. this is 
this could be a this could be the year where he might be top three. I mean, if they not just, the best wide receiver in the league. They just beat Tampa Bay. I mean, they're a yeah. very legitimate team right now. Yeah, they're a great team, and he's a great receiver. He's always been a great receiver. They've been held up by, they've been held up by Jared Goff, if anything. Yeah. So Cooper Cup's finally realizing his potential, mm-hmm. and Robert Woods will get back to what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. So you can trade pretty much nothing to acquire him in most leagues. Yeah. And he might, by the end of the year, be just your set it and forget it RB, or wide receiver, too. He always mm-hmm. seems to score 10 to 15 points a game. That's a nice thing to have a sturdy receiver like that. Yeah, so you weren't here this offseason. I quoted this stat a bunch, but I'm going to quote it again for you because I, I just think it's so funny. Here's how bad Jared Goff was last year. There was a game where he threw for like 350 yards. Mm-hmm. 288 of those yards came from the wide receivers running after the catch. Man, and that's what he's doing in Detroit, which serves a lot for fantasy purposes. I mean, we're not talking about any Detroit players today, but mm-hmm. that's what's the great thing about their their running backs and their tight end is that they get a lot of volume and they get to run a lot after the catch. So the Jared Goff is, uh, yeah. He's he, an interesting guy, I guess. He's he's <laughs> Goffel, but uh, so uh, was that pun. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. Why don't we just move on to our last player and forget that ever happened? Mm-hmm. Lastly, guys, we want to bring you one more buy low player, and we're going to go with A.J. Brown. Yeah, A.J. Brown, this is going to be another tough one to pry away from owners mm-hmm. just because of the, the draft capital that they probably invested in him. But he's injured now. He He's week to week with a hamstring injury, and, and we don't know too much more than that, although A.J. Brown's had injuries in the past, and he's a tough guy. He's able to bounce back. But people might not be able to wait for him to recover and be in their lineups again. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think the biggest way to capitalize is forget the players. Look at the team. If a team yeah. starts 0-2, you can rob them of talent. Yeah, yeah. You can rob them of talent. And I guess you have to look at the fact that through two games, right, he's had 19 targets, which is what mm-hmm. everyone wanted. Yeah. He was getting targeted, but all of a sudden the ultra-efficient A.J. Brown didn't have efficiency. And I think that looking in the past – over the two years that he was in this offense with Ryan Tannehill, those are one of the things that you can bank on is that A.J. Brown, with the addition of Julio Jones, is going mm-hmm. to be, even if he wasn't as efficient as he's been, he even just having half of that efficiency, he was going to be a bona fide wide receiver too. I mean, mm-hmm. the talent's there, and he he can't be stopped once he gets the ball, but through two games he didn't have any good games, and that can add to a, a lower trade value. Yeah, so what I'd like to ask you, what do you know about that? Uh, what do you know about the injury there for AJ Brown? Do you do you have anything that you yeah that you saw? Yeah, he came out early in that one. I mean, he only played about twelve percent of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't look like anything crazy. He just pulled up, came out, and then came out of the locker room in a t-shirt. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was kind of similar to Christian McCaffrey. Like it didn't seem like anything, and then he's mm-hmm. out. And but the difference is Christian McCaffrey was putting up twenty points before the games. Yeah, I mean, I would say go try and trade for Christian McCaffrey, but. I think he's one of those borderline untouchable, even though I don't believe anyone's untouchable, mm-hmm. but he might be. And A.J. Brown, through two games, what did he have? He's had 19 fantasy points. Yeah. Okay, so that puts him at wide receiver 54. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to be able to wait around for that, and his little production through two games might have people pressing the panic button already, mm-hmm. which is far too soon on a guy of his talent. Well, absolutely. They're going to hit the panic button after that, two targets and nothing. But that was really the injury. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out. But that team was fine. And you know what they did? So we go into week one, and they looked awful. They looked truly horrible. Yeah. But what was their problem? They didn't do the thing that Titans always have done, and that is yeah. run effectively and then kill you with the play action. Yes. They have gotten back to the run. Look back at that win versus the Colts. 169 rushing yards on 5.1 yards per carry from Henry and Tannehill combined. Yeah. When they kill you on the ground, they kill you in the air, and it works out. Look at what A.J. Brown has done. 16.6 yards of average depth of target, 13 yards per catch. He is mm-hmm. going to stretch the field. He's going to make big plays. Get him right now while people are worried about what's going on. I have a feeling he's going to be just fine. Um, but if you are a little bit worried about it, maybe wait a day or two. You know, Maybe check that injury yeah. thing going on. But I think he's going to be fine. It doesn't seem to be a major problem. And he's not a guy who's had continual reoccurring injuries throughout his career. Yeah, and uh, the, the 13 yards per catch mm-hmm. are actually the, the lowest in his short career. I yeah. mean, his rookie year, he averaged an astronomical 20 yards per catch. Yeah. His second year in the league, he averaged 15. I think that it could creep back up to there, and you're exactly right. Now they're running almost 30 times a game with Henry, mm-hmm. which opens up things uh, to be ultra-efficient. It's no secret 
that they were so efficient because people had to stack the box with eight and nine defenders. That leaves Julio Jones and that leaves A.J. Brown with one-on-one matchups. They got a little cocky against Arizona thinking mm-hmm. that they had this great passing offense, and I don't think that's the case. That's just not them. Mike Rabel's going to get them back into that running offense, and once A.J. Yeah. Brown's back, he could go back to being a cemented wide receiver one. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. The Titans, to me, have this thing going on that's identical to Seattle where they can have the yep. best passing game in the league, but only if they have a good running game. And yep. when the running game disappears, they struggle. And I get it. It's because you put a defense on their toes, they're backed up, and they're trying to watch two different things. And when they get away from one, defenses can get one-dimensional and they can hyper-fixate on your wide receivers. Well, it's the difference between having an extra defensive back in the game yeah. or an extra linebacker. It's mm-hmm. a huge difference to, to have a total different skill set out on the field to either – guard an extra receiver Mm -hmm. or give more attention to a really good one or have an extra body in the box to to stuff a running back. And once you have a really good balance, that's the goal of every team is to have a balance unless you're Kansas City. I mean, that's where you can pass every play and make it work. But yeah, that's the goal of the Tennessee Titans. They're going to get back to that and A.J. Brown will be just fine after the injury. Yeah, you know, that one player makes all the difference in the world. What did the Legion of Boom do to be successful? They had three or two Mm -hmm. good cornerbacks and two good safeties. Those safeties and cornerbacks were so good that they ran three deep coverage almost every play, which put an extra safety in the box. And that safety cam chancellor was so physical, they could shut down any tight end and they could shut down any run. I mean, that one player made all the difference in the world. And there aren't any defenses out there in the league right now that, that, that can do that. There's mm-hmm. just not. And so it's more of a chess game than ever between yeah. a defense and an offense. And I think that the, the chess piece for, um, for Tennessee Titans is just ramming Derrick Henry up the middle and yeah. blowing all the pieces off the board. And then you just uh, you, you pick up what's left and, and the extra volume goes to A.J. Brown. And he's going to be just fine. So if you are an owner of him, I wouldn't panic unless you absolutely have to. And I wouldn't trade him for anything less than what his full value should have been when he was drafted. But I think that you'll find the case is not that for owners. Yeah. So absolutely. I totally agree with that pick. In fact, I'd say of all these guys, you might have to give up a bit for AJ Brown, but he might be my favorite of these trade targets. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite as we wrap it up and consider some of them? <laughs> yeah. Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Cordero uh-huh. Patterson. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm confident uh, in that he's going to sustain the production that he's had so far. And it's all about the value you get for mm-hmm. these guys. Like yeah. if you can give a guy you picked up on the waivers last week to, to get a guy like that, well, then I'm happy with it. I mean, if you have to trade someone really good to get an A.J. Brown or a Stephon Diggs, I'm not as happy with it. So yeah. I guess my favorite guy is uh, is going to be on uh, that. And if you have a favorite guy, uh, please let us know in the comments section. Uh, we're not always right, but it'll be fun to see how these guys play out the rest of the season. Yeah, maybe in a few weeks we'll do another Trade Targets video. But as always, guys, you have a great day and God bless.